This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, we started about three weeks ago talking about the power to serve. And I'd like to share a few thoughts with you today, maybe things that you've not ever considered, but our, our source of understanding God is in the Bible. It's in his word. And that's where I'd like us to go this morning. And I believe if we are attentive to what God's saying to us, it will change our lives forever for the better. And we'll get closer to God than we ever knew possible. But let me share just a little article I came across. It's a uh, the author of this is unknown, so um, maybe it'll be an inspiration to you. It says, if I can throw a single ray of light across the darkened pathway of another, if I can aid some soul to clearer sight of life and duty, and thus bless my brother, if I can wipe from any human cheek a tear, I shall not have lived my life in vain while here. If I can guide some erring one to truth, inspire within his heart a sense of duty. If I can plant within my soul of rosy youth a sense of right, a love of truth and beauty. If I can teach one man that God and heaven are near, I shall not have lived in vain while here. If from my mind I banish doubt and fear and keep my life attuned to love and kindness, If I can scatter light and hope and cheer and help remove the curse of mental blindness, if I can make more joy, more hope, less pain, I shall not have lived and loved in vain. If by life's roadside I can plant a tree beneath whose shade some weary head may rest, though I may never share its beauty, I shall yet be truly blessed. Though no one knows my name, nor drops a flower upon my grave, I shall not have lived in vain while here. You know, I think it's within each and every one of us is to make a difference with our life, to touch another soul. You know, God has put that within us, to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. That's the second greatest command of all. The first is to love him with all of our heart our soul, our mind, and our strength. But I'd like to uh, look at uh, several foundational principles here uh, as we launch out into this. And hopefully, because, well, you know, we've got a a scattered variety of passages, but it's all on one theme to help us to access God's power in order to serve him and to serve his people while on this earth. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, it says... Live life. Then with a due, live life then with a due sense of responsibility. Not as men who do not know the meaning and purpose of life, but as those who do. Make the best use of your time, despite all the differences of these days. Don't be vague, unclear. Don't be vague, but firmly grasp what you know to be the will of God. Don't get your stimulus from wine, for there is always a danger of excessive drinking. But let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, stimulate your souls. 
And you know what? God's word is very clear. He wants us to live under the influence of his spirit, a holy spirit, an empowering spirit. Usually when you hear that word influence, you're thinking of something else, you know. Someone got caught driving under the influence. Well, if it's under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that's okay, you know. But if it's under the influence of another spirit, it ain't okay, you know. So may we live under the influence of God's spirit and may it change us and may it empower us. And uh, I wanted to pray this morning before we go any further. There was a, a young girl who came last week, last uh, Saturday for the first time, I believe it was, into our youth uh, group over there. And um, let's see, how old was she? Uh, she's 17. Her name's Julia. Julia, uh, and uh, she came, and then I think it was on Friday night, she was in a, a really terrible car accident, you know, and the folks really don't give her much hope, you know. But I, I think that we can pray for her right now. What do you think? Yeah. So, Father, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus, and, and we ask that you would minister to Julia right now and comfort her, wrap your arms of love around her, Lord, and around her mama and daddy and all of her loved ones and her friends. And Lord, we don't understand all that has gone on, but we know that you're good and that you love us and that you put us here in the very first place on this earth and you can work miracles and you can restore and do that which some people say you can't do. All I know is that we're asking you for a miracle for her and help her and comfort her and love her and wrap your arms around her right now and so she may sense your presence, when others say she doesn't know anything, that she'll know your love and, and your care for her. Bless her and her family, we ask. And Lord, there are so many others who are in our church and our church family and in our communities who just need you. And we ask that you would reach out and touch them because we know you love. That is who you are. You love. God is love. And we ask that you would love them and you love them through us and touch people's lives. This is what we ask. Give us the power to change the world in which we live by knowing you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. Okay, let me pick up here in Galatians chapter 5, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 16. Hey, can I get a cup of water or something up here to wet my little whistle here? Every once in a while, I, I need that. Two, two cups. Two cups. Three. Three cups. Can you carry three at one time? Sure. Okay, awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, and I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible. It says, but I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to venture to say most people, they understand the Father and they understand the Son, but most people that I communicate with, they don't really understand the Holy Spirit. Awesome. What? That's for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay. <laughs> wow. And I'm, he'll let me have one, as I'm sure. I'll save those for just a little bit later. Okay. It says, but I, <clears throat> but I say, Galatians 5.16, walk and live habitually. That means all the time in the Holy Spirit. 
This is, this is your Bible. This is God's word. Responsive. Be, be responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. And I'm going to tell you something. Lots of things that people say the Holy Spirit does and makes them do is a lie. The Holy Spirit is not weird and wacky and corny and chaotic. And I've been in places where people say, well, that was the Holy Spirit moving and it was nothing but the flesh. Okay, I just want to qualify that because I've, I've been and part of and seen a lots of things that were classified and it was definitely not holy, you know. But God's word tells us, <clears throat> but I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and the desires of the flesh of human nature without God. And then he goes on to say, for the desires of the flesh, talking about your flesh, for the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit. Now, can you identify with that, that there are some desires that rise up within you that is absolutely opposite of what God would want? <laughs> you know, it rises up within us and it says, for the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit and the desires of the spirit are opposed to the flesh. I'm not your flesh. Godless human nature. For these are antagonistic. Uh, the, the, these godly, godless human nature, the, the flesh, it says these are antagonistic. Talking about they're, they're aggressive. They're, they're, they're hostile. They're on the war path to each other, you know, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other. So you are not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. There's a battle going on. The Holy Spirit wants us to live holy, godly, Christ-like, pointing everything toward Jesus, but our flesh doesn't want to go there. So there's a battle going on. And I venture to say probably all of you feel that battle every day, the the. The flesh wants you to go do this, and the, the spirit wants you to do something more noble, right? So there's this battle that goes on within us. Anyhow, we all need God's power. We all need his power to live our lives triumphantly and to serve him. I'm talking about the power to serve, like the sailboat. It's called the wind, and the wind powers that boat to sail, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to serve God, and he is God. The Holy Spirit is God. It's not just some little, you know, addition that you can have if you want to, and that's what I would like to look at a few passages here so we can see what God's word has to say, and in the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in my first book, now, does anybody know who wrote this book here? Luke, anybody know what his occupation was? He was a physician. You're exactly right. So Luke wrote the book of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts. Who better to write the book of Acts that is absolutely full of miracles than a doctor? You know what I'm saying? Who's not going to be, you know, led astray in any way? But anyhow, he says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, and Theophilus was a Roman soldier, high-ranking Roman soldier. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of the Roman soldiers, you know, were coming to know Jesus as their Savior. And it wasn't supposed to happen that way. 
when Paul was in prison, they kept, you know, chaining a new prison, uh, a new uh, security team to him because he was leading him to Christ because they, they let him stay so long. So they just brought him a new Roman soldier every day to chain the apostle Paul to. And he was going like, thank you. You know, he had more people to share the gospel with. And here's a classic example, this Roman soldier. Anyhow, Luke is speaking to him and he says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. Verse 3 says, during the 40 days after he suffered, and Jesus suffered greatly and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. He proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them of, about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them. Now this wasn't a recommendation. It wasn't a suggestion. But Jesus, right before he departed, he commanded the disciples, the apostles. He, he commanded, he says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. And I told you before, as I told you before, he had made a promise and he says, don't leave. Don't leave the city until you receive that gift that he's promised you. Verse five says, John baptized with water. We know John the Baptist, you know. I mean, he baptized Jesus, did he not? And we saw the classic example when Jesus was baptized, the father's voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in who I am well pleased. And then it says, the Holy Spirit. It didn't say the Holy Spirit is a dove. A lot of people think, oh, the Holy Spirit's a dove. No, he's not. He says he descended like a dove, which means, you know, as a dove would come and light upon the ground, you know, without spread wings and all. But it says, the Father says, my beloved son, and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. You know, and then it says the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness, you know, and empowered him. He overcame all the temptations and he began his earthly ministry. Never did Jesus work any miracle until he had received the Holy Spirit himself because he laid down all of his, you know, divine powers when he came on purpose. And everything that Jesus did on this planet, he did it in the same way that we can do it because we can be empowered by the whole same spirit that empowered him. And that's what he's talking about right here. It says in verse 5, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Now, now, God doesn't waste his breath. He doesn't say things that he doesn't mean. Oswald Chambers once said, if the Holy Spirit is indwelling a man or woman, no matter how sweet, how beautiful, how Christ-like they are, the lasting thought you go away with is how wonderful the Lord Jesus Christ is. Because the Holy Spirit does nothing more than point people to Jesus. Amen. That's what he does. And Jesus is the doorway to the Father. You know, 
But the Holy Spirit is not weird and, and crazy like some people act like he is. Those people are just crazy without any spirit or nothing, you know. I'm serious. They let the flesh rule them and, and run and all. Anyhow, you know, there's uh, always been different measurements of feeling. How many of you guys do a little bit of cooking every once in a while? Anybody here? Okay, just about everybody. I bet you probably have one of these. Anybody got one of these? What is that? Some measuring cup, right? And uh, you know what? That's where I'm going to use some of my water here. Let's see. I got about a quarter of a cup, you know? I got about a half a cup of water right there. Let me see. I probably need some more water. Let's see here. That's okay. I, I got it. I, I appreciate y'all bringing me some, but I got a little, another cup back here. Got another measuring cup. <laughs> it is. It has measurements all on the side of it. Boy, somebody's making a mess up here. Wow. Okay. Now I just filled up this, filled up this cup here. Would you say it's pretty full? Yeah. So when the Bible talks about filling us with his spirit, and we see God filling people with his spirit in the Old Testament, all the way into the New Testament, but he talks about something different than just being filled. It says John baptized with water, you know, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that's talking about being immersed. And the difference between this cup being filled, and that's awesome that it's being filled there, but the difference between being baptized and filled is this. Is that different? It is different because I need a little bit bigger bowl here. But not only is it full, but it's surrounded with. I mean, every little piece of that is surrounded when it's baptized. There's more of water there than if you only fill it up. I mean, it's everywhere, you know, it's out flowing out from. I mean, every little uh, crevice is, is full of water here, you know. And there's a difference between that. And there's a difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk to you about just a wee bit here this morning. Uh, the filling, you know, always accompanies the baptism in the Holy Spirit. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, would you say that that cup is full? So when you're, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are full. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not necessarily baptized. Does that make sense? When I fill up the cup, it's not necessarily baptized. It don't have water all around it. So there is a distinct difference here. You know, uh, this is like being buried, you know. I mean, it's completely saturated in every possible way, you know. Um, listen to what it says here in John chapter 3, verse 34. It says, for he is sent by God. He speaks God's word. For God's spirit is upon him, talking about Jesus, without measure. 
See, this is without measure. And if I had to open up the baptismal tank here and filled it with water and threw the measuring cup in there, that would be a better illustration of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's like without measure. It's not just a little filling, but it's complete, complete immersion here. And what was available to Jesus, and Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit before he began his earthly ministry, and what was available to him, as the scripture says, without measure, that same Holy Spirit is available to you. And that's only if you want his power to live a triumphant Christian life, not to be weird and wacky, but to live victoriously and powerful in the world in which we live. <clears throat> now, when, you know, uh, Jesus tells them, you know, you wait till you receive the gift from the father before you leave the city. Well, imagine a disciple saying something like this, but master, the world is dying. I, I got to leave. I got to get on with the program. Can you imagine Jesus saying, well, just let it die. But, the, but master, men are hungry. Can you imagine Jesus saying, well, let them starve. Well, well, master, the hearts of men are breaking. Let them break. Master, multitudes are lost. Let them be lost. Rather than you to attempt the divine work without the divine power. People try to do the work of God in their human strength and in their flesh. And they will never be successful. Not very, and that's for sure. See, to be uh, victorious, triumphant on this earth, you do need to be baptized in water. That's just identifying with the death of, of Christ and the death of my old sinful flesh. And just as Jesus rose from the dead, you know, water baptism is, is acting out like my brown paper bag. It's an object lesson. You're an object lesson that... You have risen with Christ when you come up out of that water and you've accessed that new life. But it's, an, it's a, an action, it's obedience. But it helps us, you know, bring about a transformation in our lives. But to be victorious, I'm saying we do need water baptism and we need the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what you think of when I say baptism in the Holy Spirit, but I can pretty much guarantee what you think of and what I'm thinking of is two different things, you know, because lots of people have acted it out in a very fleshly kind of a way. Let me pick up here in verse six, Acts chapter one, verse six. And uh, you, you know what? I read this article and this is back during the horse and buggy days. And there was a guy who had a horrible problem with alcohol. Anyhow, he went to church, he got saved. He surrendered his life to God and within the month or so, he was walking down the street and as he passed the saloon, he smelled some of the old aromas that used to, you know, entice him and control him in the fast. And that saloon was there and he looked up and he's kind of sweating and he's trying to resist and he sees a, a sign across the street and it said, fresh buttermilk, 25 cents for all you can drink. He went up there and he drank three big tall glasses of buttermilk. Guess what? He was full. He couldn't take anything else in. So I'm going to tell you, when you are full and baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're not as prone to give in to other things, to other spirits that would try to control you. 
And that's very important for us to grasp a hold of that truth. Anyhow, here in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, no, verse 6, it says, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, uh, has the time come for, for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Are you going to set your kingdom up on earth now? And we're going to be kind of in charge of a lot of it. And we're going to help you run the thing. Or are you getting ready to do that and set, set the, the Jews free and, and put down that Roman army? Are you going to do that now? In verse 7, he, Jesus, replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know. It's not for you and I to know the exact time Christ comes back. We'll know the season. We don't know the exact time. They didn't know the, the exact time. And he told them, it's not for you to know. But there is something I want you to know. And then he goes into verse 8. And he says, but when you receive, but you will receive <clears throat> power. You, you. A couple of weeks ago, we taught them how to read that word there. It says, you shall receive power. And that's the way it should be read when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And see, the Holy Spirit's power is, is a benefit to us. It's a great privilege to us. Not to make us weird and wacky, but to empower us to do what God has called each one of us to do. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, lots of people think, well, you'll receive a particular gift. And nowhere does it say that we'll receive that particular gift, but he says you'll receive power. For what purpose? And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and, and in Southington and Plantsville and Waterbury and Meriden and to the ends of the earth, you know. And there's nine, as you study it, there are nine fruit of the Spirit in your Bible, and that's for character. That's not for power, the, the fruit of the Spirit. But then there are nine gifts of the Spirit, and they're not for character. They're for power. And we'll read and study those out another day. But picking up here at verse 9, he just got through saying, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to tell people about me everywhere. Tell people about the Savior and how your sins can be forgiven. Verse 9 says, and after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. Do you understand that's the last words that Jesus spoke after he was crucified and before he was taken up into heaven? The very last words. And you know, if you have a loved one and they're grabbing a hold of you and they're telling you something before they pass on. It's pretty important words, don't you think? And Jesus' last words is, but you shall receive power. Don't worry about when, when, you know, I come back. Don't worry about all the dates and the times. He says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's the promise of the Father, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. That was the last thing he said. Verse 10 says, as they strain to see him, because he began to ascend. He's been to float up into the air, up into the clouds. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two robed men. Now, what do we call those kind of men? Yeah. 
angels. Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. It's just like, hey, where'd you come from, you know? And, and they said, men of Galilee, verse 11, men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? You know, Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. These angels said, hey, listen, he's coming back. So whatever he told you, let's get on with the program. Let's get her done. Don't just stand here looking into the heavens. Let's get to work is what he's saying. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. It's about 50 days after the uh, crucifixion. And it says in verse 2, Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames of fire Flames or, or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And you can ask me another day when we have more time. I've seen something like that before. And he says, and then what looked like flames and tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Now, let me digress for a moment. In Luke chapter 3, verse 16, John answered their question by saying, I baptize you with water. But someone coming soon who is greater than I am, he's talking about Jesus, so much greater that I am not worthy to be his slave or to untie the straps of his sandals, he will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit and with fire. It says Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This is the promise the Father gave. And Jesus said, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave here. You know, my... My work here is just about done, but don't you leave the city until you receive this promise to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I think you can see the evidence of it here. It says, and then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Acts chapter two, verse four says, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. Some translations say, begin to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave this ability. The Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Tongue, see, is a language of the heart. It's not a language of the mind because you don't know what you're saying, but it's a language of the heart. And in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 6, it says, these... These who've been going and preaching the gospel and who they, 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 they have been opposed by all the religious leaders of the community, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. The men and the women who've had trusted Christ as Savior, been baptized, they've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all the other religious leaders and all were saying, those people are turning the world upside down. Well, because they were sharing the gospel with men and women, letting them know about they were forgiven. They were praying for the sick, and many sick people were being healed and restored, and miraculous things were happening. And, and the book of Acts was written, you know, penned by a physician who wasn't going to let anything phony go by him. But 
I tell you what, I, I think our world now could use a little bit of turning upside down. What do you think? Well, let me change that. I, I think our world is upside down and uh, we need to turn it right side up again. You know, Amen. I believe that, but you can't do it in your natural human fleshly strength. You just can't do it. You're not smart enough. You, you don't have the power to get that done. But even in the early days, uh, folks were saying, hey, they turned the world upside down. All of a sudden, people are being healed and, and saved and, and, and they're being set free from bondages and Demons are being cast out and eyes are being opened that were blind and ears are hearing that never heard before. And, and we look and we see that in the Bible, Jesus said, greater works you'll do. Jesus said this than he did on the earth. And it's because of the power of his Holy Spirit that he gives unto us. Picking up in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. What's the next word? Then. then. It means not before, but after you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and, and you believe in him and you trust him, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise it, it was just for people in those days, though, after they received the Holy Spirit, it just died off, right? No. He says here, this promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, referring to you and me here in 2019. That's what he's talking about. This promise of the Holy Spirit filling us, we baptized in him, this promise is to you and to your children and to those far away all who have been called by the Lord our God. And then 1 Corinthians, it's, it's very enlightening. Chapter 14, verse 2 says, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking who? What? Only to God. You understand tongues is a, a prayer language. Now there are, the Bible says there are diversities of tongues, especially in the New Testament. Nobody had a Bible. They didn't have their own scrolls. Most people couldn't read in the first place. And there was a gift of tongues, and it operates occasionally today. But where someone would speak a message in tongues, and someone else would get up and give the interpretation. Not direct word-for-word -word translation, but the interpretation of what it was about, you know. But nowadays, that's a lot more of a rare situation Tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. It's the same as prophecy. And prophecy is just all speaking in the language you already understand. That's one kind of tongues. And then there's another tongue that everybody can have, and it's a prayer language. It's like picking up the red phone and talking to the commander-in-chief, you know, himself, and getting everything that you wanted. That's what he's talking about here. In, in uh, verse 2, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it says, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. Since people won't be able to understand you, you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. You're not going to understand what you're saying. It don't matter. Do we ever need to be able to pray when we don't understand what we should be praying for? I think we do. Anyhow, in verse 3 it says, 
but one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them and comforts them. And understand in the New Testament, prophecy is for, and this is 100% accurate, exhortation, edification, and comfort. Prophecy in this day and time is never somebody who calls himself a prophet, who says, well, you're supposed to marry this person, or you're supposed to give that much money, or you're supposed to move here, you're supposed to change your... Prophecy does not work that way in the New Testament. It's for exhortation, edification, and comfort. It's a great encouragement to you. That's what prophecy is. And I'm just telling you biblically, study it all out, Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophecy is different. And that's what the scripture tells us right here. Anyhow, picking up in verse 4, it says, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Some translation says when you speak in tongues, it edifies yourself. It builds you up. It strengthens you, you know. And that's what he's saying here. The, he says in verse 4, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, builds himself up. Anybody here ever need to build yourself up? You know, oh, about 25 people. That's okay. All right. But he says it strengthens you. It builds you up is what he's talking about. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church, what he tells us. Listen to what it says in the book of Jude. There's only one chapter in Jude, but let's look at verse 20. It says, but you, beloved, talking to believers, but you, beloved, building yourselves up. Build yourselves up, you know, higher and higher and higher. Build yourselves up. Strengthen yourself. Edify yourself. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. And we know that's our foundation. Faith comes by hearing God's word. And that's what our foundation is built upon, faith. And he says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, we know faith comes by hearing, but faith comes by praying in the Holy Spirit, praying a language that you don't know. It's that red phone. It's a hotline to Almighty God. Then he goes and tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5, this is the apostle Paul. He says, I wish you all spake in tongues. This is the apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, who has given us some of the greatest passages, you know. And he says, I wish you all spoke in tongues. And then he goes to say in verse 6, dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how could that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or a prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. Verse 14. For if I pray in tongues, what does it say? My spirit is praying. I think it's just about time that our spirit, we release our spirit to pray. We use our tongue to gossip and to criticize and to lie and to speak all kind of manner of evil. And it's time that we allow our tongue to be controlled by our Holy Spirit and our personal spirit. We are body, soul, and spirit. You understand that? And he says here, verse 14, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. But God does. I mean, yesterday, well, you know, we went down south. I had a, uh, an aunt, Vicki, who went to be with the Lord just, uh, you know, a week or two ago, and we went down to the funeral. And then if, when we started our way back, I was having some problems with my car, you know? And I'm thinking, it's, well, it's the power steering pump, I think. It was a little low, had some to it. 
little bit of a vibration there. wasn't normal. And I kept trying. I know if the power steering uh, pump goes out, well, I can still steer. I won't lose steering, but it'll just be harder. So if I risk it and we put a, you know, a couple thousand miles on it that way. And then we got home, hadn't hardly driven it, maybe more than 50 miles or so. And Susan took it out yesterday, the car out. Anyhow, make a long story short, as she'd gone to Waterford on the interstate and come back here and wasn't too far from the house, the ball joint sheared off and we lost the left tire. You know what happens going down an interstate when you lose the ability to steer and pass in trucks and tractor trailers and even her going to Waterbury and even on a small road, it, it, it locks up. That tire can come up into your car and it definitely pulls you off the road. Well, I was praying for her. Oh, and if I didn't tell you, I personally have been praying in tongues since I was 16 years old. And so, so was Susan way before we ever got married. It's not a big to do. We're not flaky and weird and wacko about it, you know, like some places I've been. But there's times when you don't know what you ought to be praying about. Do you know that your car's getting ready to lose a tire, you know? Do you know what all is going on in all the situations of life? Would you like to be able to pray about every little detail for you and your family and your little loved ones? Well, that's what we're talking about here. It says, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying, but God does. <laughs> Verse 15 says, well, then what shall I do since I don't know what I'm praying? It's a choice. What shall I do? Y'all follow me here in verse 15? What shall I do? And he says, this is the apostle. I will pray in the spirit. I'm going to pray this, even if I don't understand what I'm praying. And I will also pray in words I understand. I'm going to pray in the spirit. And I'm going to be praying the perfect will of God. And as you're praying, lots of times thoughts come in. And oh, by the way, you're praying in the spirit. And then you're praying in, in your own, your, your language that you understand. Then you pray in the spirit. And he says, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to pray in the spirit. And I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit. And I will also sing in words I understand. This is the apostle who we quote a lot of the things that God inspired him to write. Verse 16 says, for if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what they're saying? You will be giving thanks very well. It's good for you to pray or sing in the spirit. That's very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. And this is Apostle Paul. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. This is the apostle. This is not one of those scriptures someone's taking out of context because you've got the red phone. You're praying about things you don't really understand, but you're praying in the spirit and then you're praying in English and you're praying in, in the spirit and you're praying in English. You know, it's not an interpretation. That's not what I'm saying. But as you're praying in the spirit, you'll think of things that, oh yeah, by the way, I meant to be praying for this one and all. And he says, but that is for private. That's a prayer language. That's private. That's in your home. And you may have a few of the believers who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you may get together and you may pray together, but that's private. That's not to be done publicly in a church service. That's what he's telling us right here. You know, anyhow, let me read on through here. Verse 18 says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you, 
But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. See, where people just go weird and crazy and it turns people off and you're praying, oh, I hope some of my family don't come to church today. They're doing something weird again, you know. I felt that way lots of times, you know. And God told me something many years ago. He told me, if I allowed and permitted the faults and the counterfeit of his spirit, I would never see a real genuine outpouring of his spirit. And that's why I stopped it. I wasn't quenching the Holy Spirit. I was quenching the flesh of people, you see, because you want to do things decently and in order. But we're talking about a prayer language that allows you to communicate with Almighty God in a powerful, fantastic way. Anyhow, Acts chapter 4, verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were meeting together was shaken, a sign of God's presence, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness and courage. The Holy Spirit doesn't just give us the ability to speak in tongues. He gives us the ability when you speak God's word, he empowers you as you do it. Let me go back over here in the 1 Corinthians 14, verse 39. It says, so my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy exhortation, edification, and comfort. And don't forbid speaking in tongues. That's what he said. That's what the Bible says. But be sure that everything is done what? Properly and in order. Now, y'all know what my favorite verse in the Bible is? Romans 8, 28. But you probably don't know the secret that I know about Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 26. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Anybody here ever been weak? That's my qualifications for ministry. He says his strength is perfected in our weakness. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Many times, I don't know what I'm going to deal with in the day. I don't know that my wife's going to be driving down the interstate and her tires are going to fall off when she gets on a safe road. I don't know all those things. But it says, for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words without his spirit. You know, to us, they're mysteries. And then he says in verse 27, and the father who knows all hearts knows what the spirit is saying. For the spirit pleads or prays for us believers in harmony with what? With God's own will. When you're praying in the spirit, you're praying in harmony with God's own will. You're praying the perfect will of God. The best way to pray is to pray the word. But so much, we don't have the whole Bible memorized. But when you're praying in the spirit, you're praying in accordance, in harmony with God's own will. And the next verse says, and, and is linking this to the previous verses. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You mean... Praying in the spirit has everything to do with Romans 8, 28 working? Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. That's what I'm talking about. Well, our time is about up. 
Just got to share another thought with you here. You know, in the uh, book of Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the armor of God because we are in a battle. We are in a warfare, and it talks about all the pieces of the armor of God. You know, when Susan and I was in Bible school, and we'd go visit my parents once in a great while, and we would drive in this one little community we drove through, way out in the country, off to the side, there was this little man. You know, it was just a, he, he was a, a little wooden man, and he was over there pumping. And he was pumping, and water was shooting out this little pump and filling up this pool. And I like, wow, man, that, that guy is amazing, you know? But in, under close observation, I discovered that that was an artesian well. You know what an artesian well is? It's just shooting out of the ground all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it wasn't the little man was pumping the water. They had him hooked up and he had hinges everywhere. The water was pumping the man. Does that make sense? It was controlling him like a, a little windmill, but the water was pumping him. And that's kind of what happens with the Holy Spirit in our life. He empowers us. And so we don't get wore out. We can do things a whole lot easier because it's not we're struggling in our flesh to get something done. You see what I'm saying? But he empowers us to get the job done. Anyhow, we got to just keep our hand on the handle, you know, and we need to let the spirit move within us. But now this chapter here talks about putting on the armor of God, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, shield of faith, loins and about with truth, on and on and on and on. And then it says, let's pick up here in Ephesians 6, 17. It says, put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the spirit. You have a sword of the spirit, you know? Take the sword of the spirit. The sword of what? Spirit. It's the sword of the Holy Spirit. He says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then it says, we often stop. We don't read it before Romans 8, 28. We don't read 26 and 27. And when we read about the armor, we stop at verse 17. But he says, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the, the word of God. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then he says in verse 18, do what? Pray, Pray in the spirit. When? At all times. What occasion? Christmas? On every occasion, stay alert and persistent in prayer. For all believers everywhere. When you think about this, I mean, he's telling us some important stuff here. Now, we don't have time to go any further. I'm actually already over time a little bit. But this is something that I know and I understand and Susan knows and we understand. And we have a choice. We have a privilege. If we want the gifts of God's Holy Spirit to function us, it's a choice. It's not the evidence of the Holy Spirit Speaking in tongues, praying, it's not the evidence. Nowhere does it say that. The evidence of the Holy Spirit is power to be a witness and tell people about Jesus. That's the evidence of the Holy Spirit working within us. But we have all these gifts of the Spirit that are benefits or privileges that we can operate in if we're decently and in order and in the right place, whether it's public or private. We got to understand all that and how this works. It empowers us to minister life to men and women, boys and girls, not to make them think that Christianity is weird and wacko, you know, because I've been in some churches and I think it was weird and wacko myself. But the Holy Spirit wants to control our lives. He wants us to teach us how to 
grab the red phone and, and get a hold of God directly and how to get your prayers answered. That's what I'm talking about. And so I want to encourage you, the Holy Spirit will never grab a hold of your tongue and go, oh, you know, or something like that. The same way you pray in English is the same way you pray in the Spirit. You do it. You do it. It's not, you know, something takes control of you. How many have, have ever given money in the tithe box here? Have you ever walked by there and a check jumps out of your pocket and just goes into the thing all by itself? So the check just writes itself and dives in? And people think that's the way it should be with tongues. It's like, it just happens. Huh? It's not near as weird and wacky as lots of people think it is. It's the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to pray in English. How many of y'all pray in English? Awesome. Almost every hand is up. Same way praying in the Spirit. You can do it or you cannot do it. It's a privilege. But it, you access the Holy Spirit and you access his power to be a witness for him to pray for people and his power released and for miracles to begin to happen. And I tell you, and the day and time that we're living in right now, as I look at our political system and all, it's like, man, the time is upon us. When the Bible says he'll pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And I, I believe God to send a revival, not a revival of wackoness and weirdness and fruit and nuts, okay, for granola Christianity. I don't want that kind of a revival, you know. Seen that, been there long time ago, but I want the Spirit of God to empower us to lead men and women to Christ. When your heart breaks for someone, you can pray for them, and, and God miraculously works a miracle, and he heals them. And, and, and his miraculous power functions in us and makes us stable, <coughs> enables us to build ourselves up and to stand strong when temptations and things happen against us and to be on God's cutting edge. I believe God to send us a revival because we choose to stick and abide by his word. So I wanted you just to see, that's just the tip of the iceberg of a little bit about what happens when you yield <coughs> to the Holy Spirit <coughs> and he baptizes you. <coughs> so what I'd like to do, okay, just a couple of minutes, I'm way over time already, but I want to pray for you right where you're at. First thing we're going to do is we're going to reaffirm our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe some are here, some are watching on, online, some are in the cafe downstairs who may pray for the very first time to accept Christ as their Savior. And then we do encourage you to be water baptized, you know, uh, and, and I would encourage you to pursue. Let me just read our weekly challenge. It says, I desire and will pursue more of God and his power in my life. That's what I want. I want more of God in my life. I want to be on the cutting edge of what God's doing now, you, most of you don't know that I, I pray in tongues every day of my life. You probably didn't know that. Now, you do know I am weird and wacky with the things I do. You know what I'm saying? Round paper bags and all these things, you know, but not wacky like some other things I've seen, okay? But I challenge you, get a hold of God. Let him get a hold of you. Let him fill up everything that is in you. Would you bow your heads with me? Would you pray and reaffirm your faith in Christ or declare him your Savior for the very first time? Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe you've got great plans for my life. And I believe that Jesus paid for my sins with his lifeblood. 
I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And he's knocking on the door of my heart. I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus into my life as my Savior, as my Lord and King. Have you just keep your heads bowed for just a moment, but I want us to do something. Well, no, open your eyes a second. It works better that way. Grab somebody's hand. If you don't mind, we don't do this very often. Just grab a hold of somebody's hand. That's why I had you open your eyes so you didn't grab their ear or something else, okay? <laughs> now, close your eyes again. I'm just going to pray for you. Father, I ask that you would just work in the lives of these men and women who are here in this room and in the balcony and downstairs in our cafe. I ask if you'd move upon those that are all by themselves in their homes or with their, with their families and are holding hands or those who don't have anybody's hand even hold. But I ask that you would baptize us in your Holy Spirit, the promise that you made for us, that you would give us the Holy Spirit to help us the same way Jesus helped the disciples. Would you baptize us in your Holy Spirit right now? Father, would you release your gifts in us? Father, just to be more in tune and closer to you than ever before, that your power would be released in us, that we would never again be ashamed to speak up for you that we would talk about you and how you have forgiven us and all the truths that we've learned in your word. As you baptize us in your Holy Spirit, give us the power to be a witness for you wherever we go. Help us to learn how to pray uh, by grabbing that red phone and praying your perfect will, Lord, in every situation. Lord, teach us to pray your word, but teach us to pray with our spirit and to give your Holy Spirit control of us. Father, we ask, Father, that all that you want, we know it's decent and in order. We know it brings honor and glory to you. And we know that miraculous things begin to happen as we submit ourselves and yield ourselves to you. So, Father, pour your spirit out upon us here. Start a revival in our hearts and our lives, a revival where people will know that we love you, that people will know that we are decently and in order, but we care about them and that, Lord, your power will be released to meet every need that will be represented by the people that we know. We ask you for a miracle to take place in our midst, in every man, in every woman, in every boy, in every girl, in this place, Father. And those hearing this message, baptize us in your Holy Spirit. Help us, Almighty God, to learn how to walk in the Spirit. Teach us how not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And may the fruit of your spirit become evident in our character and may your power become evident in the gifts that you give us. Bless these men and women as they go their way. And Father, may they never be the same again. Change us from glory to glory. Help us to reach our full potential. Help us to do what you've called and created us to do, almighty God, that brings true satisfaction to our hearts. Your will be done, we ask, in the name of Jesus. And all those who agree with that says, amen. amen. amen.